Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we will continue on with our ongoing conversation on the emerging markets, spotlighting a recent publication from the Chief Investment Office. Title is, Will Better Earnings Dynamics Translate into Performance? Uh, Joining me here in studio in 1285 Avenue of the Americas is one of the authors on the publication, Emerging Market Strategist for the Americas, Jing Chen Yu. Uh, Jing Chen, thank you for joining us here in studio. Great to be with you as always and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Dan. It's great to be back. Absolutely. So, uh, Jing Chen, we will take the next few moments walking our listeners, our clients through the piece, digging into it a bit further. As a starting point, Jing Chen, can you speak a bit to what CIO's stance is on EM equities in the global context? Absolutely. Sure. Let's maybe first take a quick step back and let me reiterate that we continue to see a better risk-reward um, profile in bonds than in equities. We think the upside to stocks, in our base case, is limited after a strong rally, particularly that is driven by a combination of a pause in you know, interest rate heights, uh, better-than-expected economic data, and also AI. I mean, the risk still remains, and therefore we think it's better off to position in high-quality fixed income and both with both yield and capital appreciation opportunities. That said, we do still find pockets of opportunities within the equity space. Regionally, emerging markets is still one of our most preferred markets. The elephant in the room is, is of course, China, as we see you know, a turnaround in earnings revisions after the first quarter reporting season. And the recent activity data you know, amid depressed sentiment on the private sector is calling for more help. So the prospect of more policy stimulus can potentially at least temporarily not only support China in the short term, but also other emerging markets through the, for instance, the commodity export channel. Encouragingly, despite the underperformance against the developed world year to day, since the U.S. banking crisis, emerging markets have uh, actually stabilized. And we still you know, uh, think the important, important drivers are uh, still in place to support the asset class going forward, including um, stronger economic growth and superior earnings growth for the next year, weaker dollar and less sticky inflation. On the other hand, valuations also look relatively de- undemanding with a relatively price-to-earnings ratio on a forward-looking basis that is a you know 36% discount to the U.S. and 27% discount to global equities. You mentioned earnings a moment ago. Can you take a few moments to walk us through the earnings dynamic? Absolutely. The relatively constructive first quarter uh, earnings results, right, especially in countries like China and Brazil. Well, net earnings revisions had had been negative for quite a bit of time, have actually, you know, uh, triggered a trend of, you know, uh, narrowing negative forecasts negative uh, forecast revisions. In fact, in May, the earnings revision ratio, which is measured by the number of positive estimates relative to the number of negative estimates, briefly turned positive um, in both China EM, right, and EM. That is, you know, that has been supporting sentiment in the weeks after. Historically, you know, MSCI EM's earnings revisions turned positive in only five periods over the past uh, decade. In four of them, the performance was positive in the month that followed. The only time it wasn't you know, positive was in January 2020, just before the COVID-19 
pandemic hit the markets. Overall, um, we expect flat earnings growth for emerging markets in 2023, followed by a sort of meeting 13% rebound in 2024, mostly led by emerging Asia. So, Zheng Chen, to focus in on China specifically, it's important to note for our listeners, our clients, China is a big portion of emerging markets, and it's it seems to be struggling with the reopening momentum lately, as you cite within the publication. Against this backdrop, Zheng Chen, what is your view on China and specifically Chinese equities? You're definitely right. Um, China's economy uh, showed a much softer uh, momentum, particularly so sequential in momentum, after a very strong first quarter, you know, activity, you know, day uh, activity level, um, they softened in April and May, and um, especially for property and industrial activity. However, we believe the re- recovery momentum will somehow reaccelerate in the second half of the year, as more policy support uh, start to kick in, and then consumption continues to recover. This should help the overall GDP grow by 5 to 5.5% for the full year, um, although it is still lower than our previous estimate of around five and 5.7%. It is worth to note that we expect more policy support to come, but no bazooka is expected to you know, arrive as the government is still quite focused on you know, a lot of the longer-term quality growth uh, and as greater tolerance for, you know, shorter, shorter-term economic volatility also exists. On the equity side, um, we mentioned the macro backdrop at the moment, right? It's not that appealing. But at the same time, that the stimulus hope, even if it might be just targeted and no broader-based, you know, uh, measures, uh, still did you know lift the markets in early to mid June, so global investor positions in China are particularly very light with attractive valuations. The, as mentioned before, the first quarter earnings season has been constructive overall. Therefore, we maintain our most preferred stance on uh, Chinese equities while still keeping a close eye on China-U.S. relations as well as high-frequency economic indicators. Well, thank you, Jane Chen, for keeping our listeners current on CIO's thinking when it comes to China and positioning within. If we take a step outside of China for a few moments, can you speak a bit to other opportunities across the end that you're looking at at the moment? Sure. So we have a couple of most preferred markets outside of China. Um, maybe before touching on those, I wanted to mention that we took profit on the Korean equities most preferred sense. It has um, worked and benefited from the AI-driven rise across the globe and is one of the best performing markets this year, up approximately, you know, up 20% year to date. But make no mistake, we still see high long-term growth potential from AI, but in the near term, this early cyclical market looks to have already priced in too much of the second half revival and may face headwinds from a global slowdown. Now, on the markets we like, first, we have upgraded India from least preferred to most preferred. The first quarter GDP growth in India held up you know, better than expected. Um, a decline in inflation has also broadly taken place across you know, the board, including services, energy, food, and others. 
the external deficit is narrowing. This should support growth and might open up room for a potential policy rate cut in late 2023. Furthermore, market valuations have also come down and now at a you know uh, around the five-year average level. So going forward, we think earnings recovery should be the main driver for Indian equities. In addition, we continue to like Thailand. Thailand has pretty much you know, the strongest PMI momentum in the region. And we think its economy should continue to recover. Um, not surprisingly, right? So solid tourist inflows, particularly from mainland China, are a boom. Although uncertainty could still linger in the very short term before the new government is formed, potentially in August. Well, thank you, Jing Chen, for walking us through the opportunity set. Maybe one final topic we can hit on before we close out. So this lends itself to geopolitics. If we're shifting to U.S.-China relations, the latest developments there, there seems to be some positive posturing from both sides. This following a recent visit from U.S. Secretary of State Blinken to uh, Beijing. This happened within the past week, week and a half. Can you speak a bit to your stance on this, some takeaways? And do you see any areas of improvement? Improvement on the bilateral relationship. Yes, um, the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken finally made made its way to China over the past weekend or so, and have met his counterparts in China and also importantly President Xi Jinping. So overall, it was a successful trip in the sense that bilateral communication seems to have resumed, while military to military communication have not been resumed. Um, according to Blinken, there will be more senior U.S. officials visiting China in the coming month. In our view, we think the resumed talks is always a good sign, and this one actually highlights the goodwill on both sides in an attempt to sort of contain near-term terror risk. But given the core differences you know, between the countries uh, in many areas, the tensions over geopolitical and tech issues is like, uh, likely to remain um, reasonably high over the longer term and can be an important um, uh, source of volatility for markets. So at this point, I mean, it shouldn't be, uh, sh- shouldn't be a big surprise, but it's important for markets, for market participants, and in fact everyone to know whether recent re-engagement that we've seen can lead to... Um, the bottom line consensus, or in other words, if the two sides can really find a floor on its relationship then. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on how the relationship progresses from here, though encouraging nonetheless that dialogue has resumed. That's always important and constructive. Jing Chen, thank you for joining us here in studio for the Top of the Morning podcast today. Again, I do want to point our listeners, our clients, to the correlating publication, which Jing Chen is one of the authors on. Uh, that title, Will Better Earnings Dynamics Translate into Performance? The publication is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. Uh, though, again, today we have been joined by emerging market strategist for the Americas, Jing Cheng Yu from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jing Chen, thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. 
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.